Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, MD Nation. Before we get started with today's show, I want to give you a welcome to one of our great sponsors that are going to be presenting today's episode called The Gallery. Based out of New York, the gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are unable to travel, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, the gallery is offering our listeners 15% off their purchase by using the code 15OFF. So go to thegallery.com. That's T-H-E-G-A-L-R-Y.com. So your wall will never be boring again. And now for the show. Welcome to Belly Up Sports, MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. What's going on, MD Nation? As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we're back, and you're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and we are so happy to be here because, what, we're, what, two weeks away? Exactly two weeks away from the start of the regular fantasy football season. And I call it the fantasy football season because that's what it really is. It's not the start of the NFL season. It's the start of your fantasy football season. Your quest to be the best amongst your friends. Your quest for your championship run. Your bragging rights. Your cash prizes. The world is your oyster. If you are a part of MD Nation, that is, and following this podcast because we're going to get you there. You're going to be following us on Twitter, on Facebook, at BellyUpMDFFShow for all those player news update notifications. You're going to contact us for mailbag segments at 609-362-2480 or also on social media. You're going to get answered by us. You're going to be coached through by us. And we're going to be there with you every step of the way whenever you need help. That's what it's all about. That's why we're here. And that's why today's show is going to be a full-point PPR mock draft. So I want to make sure that you guys are all prepared for your drafts because this is the week. This week, next week, leading up until that Thursday night, September 10th, kickoff against the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. Up until that point, this is gonna this is gonna be draft season. This is what we've all been playing for, what we've all been waiting for, and what we are really going to need at the end of the day. So I want to make sure you guys have everything that you need to know. And we're going to be using the MD's Fantasy Football Show rankings as we have for the past three mock draft episodes to kind of get you to know exactly where you can zig or where you, like I like to say, where you can zag where everyone else zigs and be able to find that value available to you. And that's what we're going to be going through today's show. So let's first kick it off. Once again, you know, like I said, full point PPR. There's a 12-man league that we're going to be looking at. 
one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, a flex, a defense, and a kicker. We say with the pretty standard roster format, so you guys get a pretty good taste uh, of what to expect out there for most of the formats out there for most of your home draft leagues. Now, most tournament leagues, of course, they're going to have uh, three receivers, and we recognize that, but we're gearing this towards more of the people who want to dominate their friends' leagues in these mock drafts. Then we talk about a lot of things that help out, you know, people who have a lot of skin in the game as well. And we're going to have DFS shows. Uh, not this show. We're going to be starting a new show with Chris Pinto. You guys have seen him with me on Belly of Fantasy Live on Tuesday nights. Of course, you can always make sure you check that out on Twitter at Belly of Fantasy. But we're also going to be doing a new show on Saturday nights with a DF. And it's going to be a DFS show to be able to help you guys out win some big money in those tournaments. So just a little tidbit there for what's coming down the pike. But let's go ahead and get started with this mock draft. Now, we randomized it. It gave us the fourth pick overall. Uh, and look, kind of like we talked about in the half-point mock draft, once again, if you swap over here and look at my rankings, Alvin Kamara, just like in the half-point, is my number two not just running back, but number two player overall in full point PPR. He is going to be a big part of an offense that's going to be absolutely fantastic this season. That's what we expect out of him. He might not get more than, I don't know, 210, 215 carries or so. But what I can tell you is that he is going to be heavily involved in the offense. And all in all, we have him projected at the end of the day for 292 touches. So while that all might not be carries, if I tell you a running back is going to get 292 touches on what's going to probably be a top five offense, he's going to have ample opportunity to score touchdowns, he's going to be the guy, and he's going to get an abundance amount of catches, he's a top five guy. And for us, he's our number two guy. He just has a higher floor, I believe, with the amount that he's involved in the passing game than Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley. Ezekiel Elliott, he may lose some touches in the passing game. We're not sure. All these guys are close. We're, we're nitpicking here. But with Ezekiel Elliott, he's going to lose some touches here in the passing game with the extra wide receivers that they have. They're going to look good to go more vertical down the field. Not a lot, but enough where Alvin Kamara comes ahead. I talked about Saquon Barkley, why he's not my guy up there. I don't trust that Giants offense as much. And while he's going to be fantastic, while he's going to get a lot of touches in his own right, I trust the opportunities to be more steady for Alvin Kamara throughout the season. I'm not going to be surprised if we're going to have games where the New York Giants only put up about 10 points. And therefore, Saquon even himself doesn't get a great game. He wasn't, even when he was on the field and healthy, he wasn't as consistent last season. Now, he's still a great talent. I'm not trying to, don't get me twisted, because it seems like a lot of people, as soon as I say Saquon Barkley's not number two, they want to go banana balls. But Alvin Kamara is that guy. We haven't seen the best of Alvin Kamara. And I've, I've preached about that before. We have not seen the best of Alvin Kamara so far. We haven't. He has been capped. He's been limited. He's been held back to some degree. Last year, he was on pace to get over his 200-carry pace. I see no reason, as long as he stays healthy, why he's not going to be able to achieve that this season. So as long as that is on the table, I love Alvin Kamara. And that's why we're going to take him right here. I get him for a value at number four. I get my guys in the number two on my board at the number four pick overall. Because, of course, Chris McCaffrey, Saquon, and Ezekiel Elliott all went off the board uh, before we got to our fourth pick in the draft. Remember the 12-team league, so we're going to have a bunch of guys going to come off here. Dalvin Cook. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, again, coming off in the first round. Another one of our mocks, and this one was a full-point PPR. Now, full-point PPR makes a little bit more sense if you want to take Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round. I still don't suggest it. He's still not as... He's going to get a workload of an Alvin Kamara, but he doesn't have anywhere near the talent of an Alvin Kamara. He doesn't have the elusivity. He doesn't have the big body. He doesn't have uh, the breakaways. He's not that guy. He's not on that level. And he's going to get Alvin Kamara-type workload. And that's usually Kamara's number one knock against him as to why he shouldn't be higher than a, Se- a Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott or a Dalvin Cook when he's healthy. That's always been the argument. So why? Because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a rookie, because he's playing with the Kansas City Chiefs, that's why it's okay for him as a rookie who has not proven anything on the field, who we know is not coming in for his dynamic explosive ability. That's why he gets a pass to be in the first round. I'm telling you, MD Nation, say it with me. Let someone else make that mistake. If Clyde Edwards-Hilaire falls to you in that second round, pretty much no matter what scoring format you're in, whether it's standard half-point, full-point PPR, go ahead. Yes, he's valued there. But do not, under any circumstances, take this guy in the first round. He's, he's just There's too many question marks. He doesn't have as high of a ceiling as those other dynamic players do, as those superstar levels do. He's not on that level. 
He's not. Now, looking here, who else came off the board? Uh, we had you know Michael Thomas, of course, Austin Eckler, Devontae Adams, Derrick Henry, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon. Then we had Kenyon Drake, Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Godwin, Travis Kelsey, Josh Jacobs, and Nick Chubb. No surprises, really. None, really. To get back to our pick here at the 2.9 in the second round. Now, I've harped on this, harped on this before. Robust running back, going strong at running back, is the way to attack your drafts this year. It's always going off of value. So, if, I mean, if you're in the second round here, and let's say uh, uh, Michael Thomas or Julio Jones would fall to you here, I'm not saying don't take a Michael Thomas or Julio Jones. But what I am saying to you is that this year, more so than most, if there is a strategy outside of just drafting value that you are going to implement this season, it's robust running back. And that even includes PPR leagues, where the receivers are going to get a little bit of a knock-up. They are going to be a little bit more valuable in full-point PPR. But you can still get... A ton of receivers late. It doesn't change the depth at the wide receiver position. And it makes the other ones who are a little bit later, who you can get in the fifth round, I believe you can get a guys who can finish in the top 10 of wide receivers in the fourth, fifth round territory. You can get those guys later still. So that's why I'm a big proponent of making sure that while you stick to your value, Make sure you're setting up your roster construction well. And unless you have a running back who's just flat out not worth your pick in the second round, I would lean towards that running back who maybe isn't quite as ranked as high as that receiver, but is pretty close. And I would give the edge of that running back. And we're sitting here in this instance, and this should be pretty much well documented on the show. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about this. But we should say in this instance that Todd Gurley, once again, is our, is our top pick coming here in the late second round. And I've talked about this at pretty much ad nauseum as to why he is that way um, and to why he is that high. Because he's going to be a true workhorse back. He's going to be involved in the passing game. And that's all it takes. A guy who finishes the high end RB2, if he's just a little bit more involved in the passing game at the rate, at the clip in which the Atlanta Falcons normally involve their running backs in the passing game, then Todd Gurley is going to finish in the top 10. It's going to happen in almost every scoring format. I'm not worried about the knee. I'm not worried about the offensive line. That offensive line of the Atlanta Falcons is a lot better than people seem to want to give it credit for or realize. So that's why I'm a big proponent of him. That's why I'm saying to you, he'll be just fine. He'll be just fine. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to take Todd Gurley here. Soon as I can actually click on the button. There we go. I love that. 2% of experts agree. That's awesome. That's amazing. Now, of course, coming back, we get the higher pick in the third round. And we saw our first quarterback come off the board, Patrick Mahomes at the 3.3. Odell Beckham, Kenny Galladay. Aaron Jones, Allen Robinson, George Kill. That's a little high for Allen Robinson. It's probably the highs I've seen him go. And I'm going to talk about that because I actually haven't talked about Allen Robinson that much this this season. I uh, haven't really had really the opportunity to do so because he's he's the guy who's been properly valued for the most part. He's not a sleeper. He's not a bust for me. He's I have him valued about where everybody else seems to have him valued at. He's not a guy who I think has sneaky upside. He's not a guy who I think has a terribly low floor that you have to watch out for either. He's just he's just Allen Robinson. He's just, You know he's going to be a, a solid wide receiver too, who's going to get a heck of a lot of volume. He's coming off of a season where he finished in, in full-point VPR as a wide receiver one. I don't see that being the case again here because it took a lot of volume to ha- make that happen. And, and not to say that he's not in a situation where that volume could replicate itself. I mean, I still have him for 140 targets this season. So it's not like I'm not expecting there to not be volume there. But the quarterback position is just so abysmal and such a disarray. And the Chicago Bears have handled their offseason so poorly that I just, I don't, I don't see it. I don't have the confidence that I'm going to be excited about taking Allen Robinson in the second round. I don't know if he has that upside. I have him ranked 16, so I have him as a wide receiver too. I wouldn't have him in the second round overall. But I'm not saying you're far off the mark here if that's, if that's the direction in which you want to go. 
as soon as I pull up in the overall, I don't have him in the second round, of course, but I have him 41st overall. So that means in a 12-man league, I would have him in the third round. And I, what I'm telling you is that even if I wound up with him in the third round, I don't know how excited I'm really going to be by that. There's just not a lot of sexiness to it. He's not a guy who I think is a threat to get double-digit touchdowns given what the offense is, and that's that's regardless of whether it's Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky. I think Matt Nagy has a lot to prove from last year to rebound from his play calling. David Montgomery just got hurt, even though there's a chance he could be back for week one. We don't, we still don't know if that's actually going to happen. So, what's the case going to be? He's just he's going to be a guy who's going to be good. He's going to be solid, but he's not. He, like I said, he's not sexy. He's not a guy who has a lot of boom potential. So I wouldn't take Allen Robinson, that, but that's the highest I've seen him go, and I just kind of wanted to you know, put some analysis out there for you as far as what his fantasy prospect was, because this was a guy who finished as a borderline wide receiver one in a lot of leagues last year, and I, don't just, I just don't see the same situation playing itself out, but I also don't see this guy dropping off a cliff either. He's just one of those guys that he's going to be drafted at his value, and that's that. Now here he came a little bit over, and that's the first time I've seen that happen. Now as far as our pick here, in the third round, we have two running backs. We have Alma Kamara. We have Todd Gurley, just to make sure everyone reminds you of that. I'm still not afraid to go three running backs here, guys. I'm still not afraid if I have somebody who I truly value on the board here. And I'm going to mix it up because the guy I usually go with is Le'Veon Bell. And, I, and this was actually me drafting in a real league. I would go with Le'Veon Bell because we just pretty much started off with the same two players that we did in last week's half and point mock draft. I want to mix it up a little bit. So the other guy that we are going to go with then, if we switch over here to our mock draft so you guys can actually see what we're looking at, we have guys like Leonard Fournette available. We have James Conner available. Of course, I I commented on Le'Veon Bell being available. Uh, Chris Carson's available, who's back at practice uh, himself, which is a pretty good uh, indication, something you actually want to be able to see. And when we scroll down here, I wanted to say, looking at the MD's Fantasy Football Show rankings, of course, our top-ranked player would be Tyler Lockett. But we're not going to go with Tyler Lockett here. So this goes back to another point that I'm, I'm going to make throughout these mock drafts because I want to make sure you guys are prepared. No matter what rankings you take with you to your draft, always make sure you have your ADP, whether it's ESPN, whether it's Fantasy Pros, whether it's Yahoo, whoever. Whatever platform you're drafting on, make sure you have their ADP. Because it's okay to have rankings that are vastly different from your ADP. You don't necessarily have to drink based off of your rankings purely. Have a combination of the two. Because in this instance, our highest ranked player here, since we're not going to go Le'Veon Bell because I want to go in a different direction would be Tyler Lockett, who's still available and on the board. But Tyler Lockett's not somebody who's valued as high as the MD's Fantasy Football Show value him because they don't recognize that he was a wide receiver one for the first 10 weeks of the season for whatever reason. And it wasn't until he got injured that one, DK Metcalf started really chomping off at the bit. But two, that it was what made him fall back to wide receiver two territory by the end of the season. He was a wide receiver one. They don't figure the high efficiency, the high touchdowns, the fact that Tyler Lockett as a slot receiver, which is what he will continue to be, gets put in these situations where he gets this high volume that he hadn't gotten until last year at this point in his career, on top of the fact that he still has the big playability. They don't figure on that. And I actually take it back. Amari Cooper is our number five wide receiver. He's the guy who's actually would be top on our board available here. Um, but I'm glad I got to go in that little Tyler Lockett rank. It's, sometimes it's hard to go back and forth between the two and figure out who's who, especially when the rankings in the AAP are so vastly different from each other. But that's why I urge you to use the MD's Fantasy Football Show rankings because I'm showing you how you can get value in places no one's expecting. So we're not going to go running back here. This is going to be the first time we're not going to go running back in the third round. We're going to take our wide receiver five in Amari Cooper with this pick. And before you could try to call me crazy for saying Amari Cooper should be the number five, first of all, we're drafting him in the third round. I think there's hardly a person out there who wouldn't value Amari Cooper in the third round, at the very least. Number two, I've talked about this before uh, on other shows. I don't know how much I've talked about it on this show, but Amari Cooper, as long as he is healthy, 
and that's the key word, healthy on the field with the Dallas Cowboys. He is a consistent wide receiver one. Consistent wide receiver one. And I'm not, all that inconsistency talk, all that talk about him being Jekyll and Hyde, it's not true. It was true in on the Raiders. It is true as far as his overall general availability as a wide receiver. But it's not true when you actually look at the games where he's healthy, not playing a decoy. I'm not talking about just being on the field. I'm talking about not being a decoy for the Dallas Cowboys. Talk about a guy who's lighting up the stat sheet. And I have you know, I have some notes here. When we talked about the wide receiver podcast last week, make sure you go back on your favorite podcast app or watch us on Periscope, YouTube, Sportscaster, or Facebook. And you can go back and watch any one of our episodes or listen to any one of our episodes on your favorite podcast app, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes. You can go back and listen to our best five, bus five, super five wide receivers. And you'll hear me talk about how Amari Cooper in the first 10 weeks was third in receiving yards and second in receiving touchdowns in the entire NFL. How he was on pace in 2018 before he got knocked up for 94 receptions, 1,280 yards, and 10 touchdowns. This guy's a wide receiver one. Now, if you want to argue with me about the health factor, fine. But I'm looking at you and I'm saying, look, I'm telling you in this offense, and a guy who's going to be able to play the slot receiver position and be on mismatches constantly because they can put CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup on the perimeter and let Amari Cooper just get the best matchup possible, I'm telling you, look, I'm getting him in the third round. And he's a guy who does have that value, who does have that return. And like I said, I want to mix it up a little bit. It's a full point PPR mock draft. This is the first time we're actually going running uh, wide receiver in the third round. Because generally speaking, I'll wait one more round. Because I know that I can get Tyler Lockett, who's now available here as well. And I'm just fine with him being my wide receiver one. But I want to harp on running back. I want to get back to running back. Because it has to be robust running back. Because once you hit that fifth, sixth round... There's a gap. You go from having guys who are in position to have bell cow type roles to taking parts of committees. That's the big difference between the, the running backs once you get about to the, to the fifth round or so. That's the big difference. Because once you hit that, then, then it becomes an issue. Then it's just, you know, you're taking guys that might have some upside if this or that happens. which is what I'm leading into saying Le'Veon Bell is still on the board in the fourth round. Another reason why I want Amari Cooper, because we knew he could take him. Our, what, 15th running back overall in full-point PPR? I think he might even be higher than that. Our 11th running back in full-point PPR? Look, the volume's still going to be there with Le'Veon. You can think what you want to think about Adam Gase and his retardedness and what he may or may not do with Frank Gore being on the roster or today apparently trading for Kalen Balazs for God knows what reason. You can think that the Adam Gase will actually factor into that and be his Adam Gase self and try to take his most talented players off the field. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you were wrong. I wouldn't say you were wrong for thinking that. But what I will say is that no matter how you slice it, James Crowd or Le'Veon Bell are the best pass catchers they have and are going to be forced into action, forced in production. So even if they try to take away some carries from Le'Veon Bell this season, it's not going to be on the goal line, and they're not going to take away his, his volume in his receiving game is going to stay the same. Could even, in theory, improve a little bit because you're going to have a guy who may actually have his starting quarterback for 16 games. So in theory, it could even improve. In theory, even if he gets a few less carries, which it won't be much, but even if he does, that offensive line with Makai Becton should be better. It should be more efficient. 3.1 yards a carry. Guys, Le'Veon Bell's better than that. Even Adam Gase can't get in the way of him getting back up to four. I think it's ridiculous the way Le'Veon Bell gets valued as if he's washed up and done. And Look, I hate Adam Gase as much as the next guy. But I'm not going to ignore a superstar getting the kind of volume that he's going to get, especially in a full-point PPR league. Le'Veon Bell was an RB2 all of last year. A consistent, one of the most consistent RB2s in a full-point PPR league because the volume is getting. It's not going to change. It's not going to change. 
So we take him there. Now, before we move on, I do want to talk to you guys about a sponsor we have with this show. Uh, we're very proud to have him. We might even have them on as a guest in the new DFS show. It's going to be coming out on Saturday nights sometime soon, and they are called the DFS Doctors. Daily fantasy sports experts guiding you to be a winner in the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB. The DFS Doctors are a team with seven-plus years of experience in DFS who conduct comprehensive data analysis using advanced metrics to provide you with high-quality FanDuel and DraftKing lineups. Their goal is for you to win big without having to spend hours researching yourself. Now, if you use the promo code BELLYUP, you will get 15% off your next subscription. So check them out at the DFS Doctors on Twitter or on CouchSmackSports.com today. Now, moving back in, we had guys flying off the board since Le'Veon Bell. We had we saw a slew of receivers while Chark and Lock had come off. I was a little disappointed. I was kind of hopeful I was gonna get I was gonna get Lock in the fifth round. That's something that has actually been happening quite a bit to this point. Uh, Melvin Gordon, Cortland Sutton, DK Metcalf, Jonathan Taylor comes off. That's I have to say that's probably the lowest I've seen Jonathan Taylor come off in in any mock draft that I've done, and I'm I'm happy to see it that people are getting smarter. I'm well part I guess. As a fantasy football player, I'm not happy that people get smarter. But as a fantasy football analysis, I always want to see people improve. And Jonathan Taylor going later and later, and still, in my estimation, don't get it twisted, in my estimation, Jonathan Taylor is still too high in the fifth round. He's not the starting running back week one, guys. He's not. And even if he does take over at some point, you don't know when that point is going to be. Are you going to draft a guy who would otherwise be your RB2 every single week when you don't know what week it is he's going to take over. And until he does, and there's a possibility that he might not. I want to add that in too. Because Marlon Mack is no schlub. And if he's splitting the carries the way he is, I think there's a better chance than other seasons that he could actually play 16 games. And if he does that, and he's efficient behind that offensive line, which he should be in that offense, which he should be, then Marlon Mack is going to get 10 to 12 carries a game. And he's going to be good. Jonathan Taylor wouldn't take over in that scenario. So you're going to draft a guy who has a very real path of never getting more than 8 to 12 touches a game. And you're drafting him in a territory that you would need an RB2 to start every single week. It makes no sense. It makes no sense in a redraft league. None whatsoever. You are drafting a guy in hopes that he's going to be your league winner in the second half of the season due to an injury or a trade or just taking over because of his talent in a season in which the rookies have not gotten the practice in a season in a situation I should say in which he's not taking over for some old running back who's been washed up Marlon Mack is still young Marlon Mack is still explosive so you are banking on him taking over sooner rather than later. I'm telling you right now, I'm not wasting the high of a pick on a guy that I have to hope and pray is going to take over by week six in order to get the value in return for him. I'm not. It doesn't make any sense to me. But that is the lowest I've seen him go in quite, in quite some time. And I'm, I'm kind of happy to see that. All right. So getting back to our actual draft here of where we're standing at. And we have Alvin Kamara. We have Todd Gurley. We have Amari Cooper. We have Le'Veon Bell. And again, full point PPR, 12-man league, two receivers, two running backs, quarterback, tight end, defense, kicker, one flex, seven bench spots. So we can look for a re- another receiver here. We can go a lot of different directions. Now, this is, this is where it becomes about roster construction, right? We have our three running backs. We have our wide receiver. We could go out to the wide receiver here, so we, we lock in our wide receiver two here in the fifth round. Or we're getting in that territory where, like I said, this is about where running backs have a big cliff, where you suddenly go from guys who are in workhorse situations and may wind up and then may wind up taking guys who are pieces of committees after this round. And because wide receiver is so strong, that's why I'm kind of looking at this like, you know what? More and more, I think we're going to go running back. And our highest ranked running back in this situation would be Mark Ingram. Yes, Mark Ingram over David Johnson, even in a full-point PPR. Even in a full-point PPR. And 
I don't think the reason should be all that surprising. I mean, yes, they brought in J.K. Dobbins. Gus Edwards is not going to have a role this season. And Justice Hill's role will be the same as it was last year with like one to five touches in the game, mostly playing special teams. That means Mark Ingram's role is not going to change. That's what that means. J.K. Dobbins can be a factor, like Gus Edwards was, without affecting the volume that Mark Ingram saw last year and therefore not affecting the production in which he can put up. Now, to, to be clear, I have Mark Ingram only one spot ranked ahead of David Johnson. So I have him pretty close. And that's just due to the volume that I expect David Johnson to have at least while he's on the field. Now, I don't know how long that is going to last because one of the biggest reasons why I'm as low as I am on David Johnson at running back 23, even though I know he's in a situation where he's going to have to get fed the ball because they have to justify that trade with DeAndre Hopkins, I have no faith coming off of that back injury after what I saw what he looked like when he was supposedly healthy at the second half of the season last year when you come in to spell Kenyon Drake every so often. I have no faith that he's any better than what we saw. I have no faith that he's anything more than the shell of David Johnson. I have no faith he can truly recover from that back injury and it's not going to flare up within the first month of the season. Will he have a good week one? Will he have a good week two? I think there's a very real possibility from a fantasy standpoint he'll have enough volume to be pretty strong those couple of weeks to start off the season. But after that, when the volume starts wearing down on him right out of the gate, when the fact that it's clear that he does not have the same speed burst, that he has lost not just a step but two steps, what happens then? Is the reason why Duke Johnson is one of my favorite sleeper running backs to take later on in drafts. And if you do take David Johnson, one of my must-draft handcuffs, and one of the few that I have that are must-draft handcuffs at that. I know Mark Ingram is in a Baltimore Raven offense that wants to run the ball from a physical standpoint, and he fits that mold to a T. I know he's going to have games where he's going to get multiple touchdowns. I know he's going to have running pass with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. J.K. Dobbins doesn't bother me because Mark Ingram only averaged 15 touches a game last season. Why would that change? Why would that change with J.K. Dobbins, who's just going to make Gus Edwards and Justice Hill step aside? He's going to fill in that role, and he'll be involved in his own right. Why would that change what Mark Ingram brings to the table? As I drop things left and right here, what would that change? Mark Ingram was one of my favorite players last year. I'm not as high on him this year as I was a year ago, but I still think he's going to be one hell of a producer. So that's all to say that I'm taking Mark Ingram here over David Johnson. But the case needed to be made. You guys have to understand why. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. What's the analytics? What's the reasoning? What's the scoop? What's the reason why? What's the reality of the situation? That's the where I was looking. What is the reality of the situation when it comes to these players? And why in a situation like this, where you can see here, where we have two running backs, a flex running back, and we can't actually start another running back in the way that this lineup presents itself, but why it's important to go ahead and take another one there anyway. Because after that, you just have pieces of committees. And to add to that further point, to add to that further point, we can still be great at wide receiver. As you can see here, you're looking at this. Look who's available on the board on the sixth round. It's like clockwork for me. It really is. Sixth round, A.J. Green. 
That's it. If you you could blindfold, you could liquor me up to the point where I could barely speak, where I could barely think. And if you say six round, Dan, I'll respond with AJ Green. It's a knee jerk. It's a reflex. The value's there. And I'm not going to talk about it too much because I talked about him a lot. But there's no chance in hell, especially in a year where you need to be going robust running back, that I'm going to pass on A.J. Green as my wide receiver two in the sixth round. A guy who, hands down, has absolute wide receiver one value, and we all know that. We all know he has that potential. And if I'm taking him in the sixth round as my wide receiver two, I'm not depending on him to be the wide receiver one. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. Because there's still plenty more wide receivers. Oh, no, this was tough. This was tough. If you can see here, I was really hoping Marvin Jones would follow us in the seventh round because he normally has. He went one pick in front of us because Marvin Jones is my favorite wide receiver three to have on my team because first and foremost, I actually have him ranked uh, pretty high. Believe I have him as yeah, I have him just inside wide receiver two in twelve man leagues. I have him at wide receiver twenty three overall. This is just a guy who puts up numbers right up there with the Robert Woods, with the Calvin Ridley's, with the with the AJ Browns of the world. He puts up numbers up there when he's healthy. It's not as consistent. It's not as consistent from week to week. But at the end of the day, he's gonna finish pretty close to that mark. And that's why I love Marvin Jones. That's why I love Marvin Jones. But in this situation, he just comes off the board right in front of us, unfortunately. Now, we're, we can go any direction here. We have our four running backs. We have our two wide receivers. We still need a tight end. We still need a quarterback at some point. We're sitting here in the seventh round. I don't have a quarterback that I value in the seventh round. The only quarterback that I value in this territory is Dak Prescott. We're somewhere between that sixth, seventh round. If you're there and Dak Prescott's still there, I value him here. But that's it, because after Dak Prescott, who's my number three quarterback on the board, after that point, I think all the quarterbacks are relatively the same as far as their value goes. I mean, there's some, obviously, we have, you know, we have guys ranked at four, five, six, and seven, and eight, obviously. But other than getting some guy who maybe has some extra rushing upside, I don't have anybody who's really vastly different as far as their passing numbers go. And because we have such faith in the amount of touchdowns that Drew Brees is going to be able to throw this season, he he cracks our top five. And he's somebody who's going closer towards double-digit rounds. I really have no pressure to take a quarterback if it's not one of those top three guys in the round in which that I want them. So we're not going to go quarterback here. That's kind of one of my way of saying that. But that's the line. That's the thinking. That's why in the seventh round, you, you can keep passing. There's so much value. So much value. You just have to continue to take it late. And I'm done with that late. One of these days, uh, MD Nation here will donate me enough money that I'll be able to afford a studio where lights can stay hanging and not shaking off. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I would do this show. I do do this show for free, actually. And I would continue to do the show for free forever as long as you guys listen. All right, so back to our mock draft here. We're looking around. We got wide receivers aplenty. We got running backs aplenty. And I'm looking at what's available. Now, actually, we would have David Montgomery ranked the highest here, but let's we have a great scenario here. It, today's your draft. We know David Montgomery has a timeline of two to four weeks. We know that there's a real chance that he could be back or not be back for the next few weeks. We also know that being as a groin injury, it's something that could linger. We know that the Bears' offense is not the most trustworthy in general at the moment, and even David Montgomery had something to prove going into this season. Not a situation I really want to get behind, even in this scenario where he would be our fifth running back. I'd rather take some other guys who have upside later on. So I'd rather us get our third receiver here to pair up with A.J. Green, a guy to be a more dependable guy. Because you have A.J. Green, who obviously we're, we're taking with, and he has a lot of risk at the end of the day. We, we know that. We know that. So let's take let's get somebody who we have ranked in this territory that is maybe more dependable. And let's go back and look at the MD's Fantasy Football Show rankings as we do that. Guys that are available that jump off the board to me. Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder's a wide receiver three. Now this would probably be the highest that ever go on Jamison Crowder. We are gonna go in that direction here. And I can't believe that this team's gonna own two Jets players. That <laughs> that is a little crazy in my mind as I'm trying to think of this but 
in this situation, because we want to get a guy who's dependable, especially for PPR purposes, we know Crowder is going to be the number one targeted wide receiver because he's a slot guy under Adam Gase's system. And that's where Sam Darling's go with the ball the most. And Brashad Perryman is nothing more than a journeyman. And Denzel Williams is nothing more than a raw rookie this season and is already banged up and hurt. And they don't have any other weapons. Chris Herndon, fine player. Nothing that I care about as far as taking away volume from Jameson Crowder. No, I, I, no. that's not going to be an issue. So give me a guy who's going to be number one target on a team in a slot in a full point PPR league who is pretty consistent from a week to week basis last year, given that, and will establish as a base floor if something does in fact happen to AJ Green. It's kind of like Allen Robinson to me. Is he sexy here? No, there's not a ton of upside here. It's not like Jameson Crowder has the possibility of finishing in a wide receiver one situation, but he's valued here. He's solid here. And sometimes when you're doing your roster construction, you just need to get some solid pieces that you know can bolster your team and be able to take those upside shots later while it not being able to backfire on you because you have solid guys to put in there if those upside potential shots that you take in your draft don't wind up panning out. And a lot of times they don't. And you got to make sure you're prepared for that. And I love this. Look at this roster construction we have going on right now. We're heading, we're, we're about to pick late in the eighth round. We have Alan Kamara, we got Todd Gurley, we have Omar Cooper, we have AJ Green, we have Le'Veon Bell, we have Mark Ingram, James Crowder. We got four running backs and three receivers. We have plenty of talent at quarterback. We have plenty of talent at the tight end position. We can go any direction. This is what I'm talking about. You can go robust running back early on. And by the time you hit the eighth round, because of the value at receiver, not only can you have RB1s and wide receiver ones throughout your lineup, but now you can find yourself in a position going into these later rounds of your draft to be able to draft purely based on value because your roster construction has balanced out even though we went three running backs and one wide receiver in the first four rounds because that's where the value lies in these drafts. It's all about roster construction at the end of the day. Now we switch over here. We look at our rankings. Seeing what's available on the board. Of course, the experts, they they want us to take uh, a quarterback. They want us to take Matt Ryan, which I have to say, I'm a little surprised he's available here. Usually Matt Ryan is off the board uh, when we get to this instance. And we do like Matt Ryan, but not as much as we like Drew Brees or Tom. I think Tom Brady came off the board, but not as much as Drew Brees, who's the other quarterback that's still available. But... I don't know if we want to go quarterback here still. I still would rather like to wait in this situation if I can at all help it. Check to see what's available. Now, this is actually tough. Emmanuel Sanders looks like he's actually coming up the board, and that is somebody who we value. Again, a non-sexy guy, but a guy who's set up in a position to get consistent value. It's kind of what we're looking at. Tom Brady is available, by the way. We actually have him ranked ahead of Matt Ryan. I know what we're going to do here. Looking at this. Perfect spot. Eighth round. You need a tight end. Hayden Hurst. Our number six tight end. A guy who has great upside. Great situation. I'd rather take a tight end here. And if I take Hayden Hurst... When it comes to quarterback and tight end, if I'm going to take one before the 10th round, I want it to be somebody that I know I can count on week in and week out and not have to bother taking another player from that same position so I can continue to open up my roster for more running backs and wide receivers and have as much depth of those positions as possible, not just for my team, but for trade possibilities down the road. And Hayden Hurst is a great pick here in the eighth round, somebody who has great potential who fills the Austin Hooper role perfectly if not better because he's more of an athlete because he's better than that and somebody who's ranked really high on our board on top of it I mean he's a 54th player to me I get a lot I get a lot of flack for that and I don't care I don't care that I get a lot of flack for that because it makes sense you're gonna give me a guy who very much has the possibility of replicating what Austin Hooper was able to do, which was, uh, what, tight end one until he got hurt. Then, yeah, he's going to be worth his value. He's going to be worth the investment at the 54th pick. 
And I know technically he hasn't done it yet, so you're projecting here a little bit. You can argue that we're taking a shot there. But I think everybody in their right mind can recognize that Hayden Hurst has a hell of a floor with the Atlanta Falcons because they don't have a third receiver. And we know Matt Ryan likes to go to the tight end when they get into the end zone. More so than Julio Jones, anyway. So we know he has a floor of at least a top 10 tight end. And in my estimation, number six overall. And that's why I think I'm going to get great return on my investment here. And look who's still on the board. Matt Ryan's still on the board. Tom Brady's still on the board. Drew Brees did come off the board, though. We did, we did lose Alan Drew Brees, who's our number five quarterback. But that's okay. Again, we can go any direction that we want to. We're going to go ahead and... Because we have Mark Ingram, I do think that this is an important handcuff to go after. And if we wait any longer, we're not going to get him. And that would be J.K. Dobbins. Now, this is a classic example of roster construction over your necessarily your rankings. I definitely have him valued in this territory, but he's not necessarily the highest player I would have here in this situation. As I scroll down to try to find him now, exactly where I have him ranked. I have him as the 107 player overall. Pull it up for you here on the video. So you can kind of see that where he's where we have him ranked at 107. So the ninth round territory, 10th round territory is about where we would be looking for him to go. But he becomes much more valuable than the 107 when you have Mark Ingram like we do in this mock draft. And I think that should go without saying for you know multiple reasons here. The biggest one, obviously, we all know. That if Mark Ingram does go down the injury, which he did at the end of last season, that J.K. Dobbins is looking at being an RB1. We know that. We also know that there's a pretty good chance, especially when you're talking about PPR, that J.K. Dobbins could be a guy that could actually be a viable flex play every single week because he probably will get more passing work than Mark Ingram will. And we know the heavy run volume, and we know pairing him up with Lamar Jackson, how great Dobbins might be. So this is what this is why in the ninth round here, I think it's pivotal that if you have Mark Ingram like we do, and even though Mark Ingram's not even a starter for us, because he's actually our fourth running back, we can only play three in this format, it still makes sense to go ahead and be like, you know what, we're gonna get the Baltimore backfield as our RB4. That's the way to attack this. I'm loving this roster. I'm loving this roster. Tenth round. Tom Brady. Our highest-ranked quarterback still on the board. He's our QB7, even though he's QB11 uh, for ADP, overall ADP purposes. Still on the board in the 10th round. It's a gimme pick. Gimme Tom Brady. And this is probably the, the only pick that is in such agreement with the rest of the experts that we're, we are taking here. But yeah, give me Tom Brady. Give me the guy who's going to have more weapons than he has had since 2007 New England. Since Randy Moss, since Dante Stallworth, since Wes Welker, since Robert Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. He's going to have more weapons than he's ever had since that point with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski and O.J. Howard. Now, I don't know what they're going to get out of the backfield. But they'll find a way to get value out of there some way. Somebody's going to catch the ball. I think Keyshawn Vaughn's going to do it, but he needs a little bit more time to practice. Remember, even not only this is a short season for rookies, but he actually had to start off behind the eight ball because he had to go on the COVID list first before he could get his butt out there to practice. And now we find ourselves in a situation exactly what I want to be in, where my quarterback and my tight end are good enough, are in the top 10 of my positions, where I feel like I have a starter there week in and week out. I don't feel like I have to get another quarterback. I don't feel like I have to get another tight end. Now, there's guys that I value later on at those positions. I have no problem pulling the trigger, but I don't feel like I need to get another one to pair up with them or have in my back of my mind I'm going to need to stream them. I can go ahead and load up on more running backs and wide receivers. We're getting into the 11th round here. Pure value is what we can go after. Pure value. Now, I would like like to get our wide receiver four here, and I would like to get somebody who has a little bit more upside. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. If at all possible. And that's somebody, no-brainer for this show, for our rankings of where we have this guy at. That no-brainer is Deshaun Jackson. How many games are we going to get out of Deshaun Jackson? I don't know. I also know I'm taking him in the 11th round. I also know Alshon Jeffrey's going to miss the first six games. I also know Deshaun Jackson's now lining up in the slot a lot. They're going to be moving him around as the wide receiver one. So I know as long as he's healthy and on the field, I have a hell of a ceiling on my hands with Deshaun Jackson. So I pair him up with A.J. Green as my high-ceiling wide receivers that I can plug and play, take shots with, hit, hit home runs with, get over the top with. And Deshaun Jackson's our wide receiver 45, and that's really only because we sort of expect him to not play a full 16-game season. But on a per-game basis level, he's going to be a high-end wide receiver too. At least that's our expectation anyway. Now we're getting him in the 12th round. Now, now we're going into the 12th round. Excuse me. Again, you can stick with best value here because we have our wide receivers. We have our running backs. We have our quarterback. We have our tight end. We can go any direction we want to. It's not time yet to take a defense or a kicker. We, like I said, at MD Nation, at MD's Famous Football Show, I should say, or me specifically, Dan Mater, your host, the thing that I like to do in a 16-round draft is I like to go with a defense and a kicker in the 14th, 15th round, and then I can just take my top sleeper left on the board at round 16. It's just something I like to do because it gives me a chance to get make sure I get one of the top elite defenses and top elite kickers by going around earlier than most. Not all. And some of your home leagues, guys, I see defensive kickers go ungodly early all the time. Don't do that. But if you're in a league that generally knows what they're doing and they'll wait till the 15th, 16th round to take that defense and kicker, going around earlier to make sure you get the elite at that position, at a volatile position, is not a bad strategy to occupy yourself by, especially when you have a balanced roster like we do right now. Now, while I was talking to you guys and saying all that, I was trying to figure out who our next pick is going to be. And the guy I like a lot is Justin Jackson here. Love me some Justin Jackson. Love me some Justin Jackson. When Anthony Lynn talks about the backfield, about the Austin Eckler and the the Justin Jackson and the Joshua Kelly situation, he talks about the fact that the key to their backfield is going to be Justin Jackson. He talks about how Josh Kelly is going to be playing primarily on special teams. Not in the backfield, not as a majority ball carrier, but on special teams. Now, this show, I have made no secrets about the fact that I'm not a big Joshua Kelly fan. Never have been. I don't think this guy has a great explosiveness. I don't think this guy rates out to be somebody who's going to be a starting NFL running back for a long period of time. I don't see it. I've been pretty clear about that as well. I like Justin Jackson a lot, and I don't know when this reputation happens that he can only be a satellite type back. He's not that small. He's not big, don't don't get me twisted, but he's not that small. He's bigger than Austin Eckler, first and foremost. He's explosive. He's a great piece to have. Whenever he's actually out on the field, he's taken advantage of it and produced. It's going to be Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson for the most part this season, and we don't know exactly how the volume is going to work out for Austin Eckler right now. Jackson's going to have a significant role. And if anything were to happen to Eckler, well, Jackson's way more explosive than Joshua Kelly is, and he would be the one who then gets the targets. Even Joshua Kelly comes in to platoon with Jackson at that point. So I love being able to get a guy like Justin Jackson here this late as our RB, technically our RB6, but I'll kind of look at him as an RB5 because I look at Ingram and Dobbins as, as, as ensuring we have the... Uh, ensuring we have the Baltimore running back as our RB4, really. But look at this depth. And here's the other thing, and I'm gonna, I want to make sure everyone keeps this in the back of their mind, too. When we talk about taking assets later on, 
is not just about guys who might be league winners for you and have these kind of sleeper potential situations where they could blow away their investment and you want to take shots like that late. It's not just about that when you're in redraft league. It's about getting guys who are going to have value, who people are going to look at and be like, ooh, I kind of wish I had this guy on my team. He would really help me out with where my roster is at the moment. It's about having assets that you can then trade for things that you really need, improvements that you really want. Let's say A.J. Green does wind up being a shell of himself after not playing football at all last season. Let's say he's not as explosive as we expect him to be. But he's still out there on the field. All of a sudden now, because I drafted a value later on and got guys who are definitely in situations to be valuable and have asset potential, I can now maybe package A.J. Green in a trade with a Justin Jackson and another piece or leave A.J. Green out of it completely or Deshaun Jackson and pair him up, or whatever the case may be, because I have assets all throughout my lineup and I have depth, I can package that together for somebody who is in need of depth, who needs a couple different options, who's getting swelled up by injury or getting depleted by bye weeks. Whatever the case may be, you take advantage of those certain situations and you improve when you have that, but you need assets in order to do that. Don't just take guys just because you think... They could possibly be something like a Joshua Kelly. A lot would have to go right for a Joshua Kelly type to be anything for you fantasy-wise, frankly. Or don't just take guys for the sake of taking guys, I guess I'm saying. Don't just take a defense and a kicker here. This is probably a good example. Don't just take a defense and a kicker here in your home leagues because you have a starting position still open. Take the guys you're going to have value to you, whether it's actually on your lineup or for trading purposes. That's an aspect of your league. That's an aspect of your draft. Part of winning your draft is having the assets to be able to win your league. That's what winning your draft actually is. It's not winning the championship based on your draft roster. It's about putting yourself in position to have the assets to acquire that championship roster. That's the difference. That's the big key there when you're playing fantasy football. Now, we're in the 13th round. Still go any direction. I'd like, I'd like in theory, to go with a wide receiver at this point, who, again, is kind of more of a James Crowder situation, where maybe he's looking at a good amount of volume but isn't anything sexy, who's maybe a little bit more dependable from a week-to-week situation. That's what I'd like to do. But then you have to examine the board. See what's available. See where we have ranked. And you know what? At this point, we don't really have a guy like that. I'm going to do... No, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for that. There's a sleeper who I'm pretty sure is going to be there in the 16th round. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about him there. Really not... Honestly, not loving what I'm seeing here. Not a lot of handcuffs. A lot of guys. I'm not sure they're going to have a ton of value. Here's what I will do here. I'll go I'll running back again. We're going to be super deep at running back in this league. We're going to go running back again, and we're going to go with Malcolm Brown. Now, we have Daryl Henderson, who may be back for week one. That is quite a possibility. But if he's not, well, then it's going to be Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown. And like I said, like I talked about, having assets. Malcolm Brown's in a situation where he should be an asset because he should be somebody who is going to be the goal line back for this team. Short yardage back. He has a path of production laid out in front of him that I'm pretty sure he's going to have. It's not going to be Cam Akers. Remember, Malcolm Brown on the depth chart right now is still at the top of that depth chart. Now, that's not to say it's going to finish that way. But I really thought the the big possibility was going to be Daryl Henderson. If he's questionable to be week one, even if he's healthy to play week one, I don't know how much he would play in that situation because he hasn't practiced this entire time. So that whole situation is hairy. And at the end of the day, I don't know how many shares of the Rams backfield I really want to have in, at all in general. But when we're in the 13th round here and we're just taking guys who have a pathway to production that maybe I can entice somebody in a trade at some point who gets desperate, Malcolm Brown's the perfect guy for that because he's going to be the touchdown guy. So he's going to have more fantasy value than he ever would NFL-wise. And there's a decent chance that he is still technically the starter come week one and maybe a few weeks into the season. So you strike while the iron's hot in the beginning of the year kind of deal. 
I've talked about this before. If everyone's healthy, Malcolm Brown's getting the short yardage goal line work. Daryl Henderson's getting the majority of the receiving work and probably splitting carries with Cam Akers between the 20s. So that's why I expect Daryl Henderson's actually my most valuable Rams running back when he's back and healthy. Now, this injury thing is kind of hard to say. I'm still waiting to mess with the Rams' backfield in my rankings until we get a little bit more information. If he is going to be okay for week one, then even if it's not week one in itself, then I know by week two that he'll get his role that he was going to get. I heard about this before. It's not going to be Cam Akers. Cam Akers is another guy kind of like Jonathan Taylor. He's going way too early. Not only is he splitting up the backfield with two other guys just like Jonathan Taylor is, but unlike Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers is terrible at pass pro. And because of that and the woes of the offensive line of the Rams and the fact that Jared Goff was one of the most pressured quarterbacks last season, I don't think Cam Akers is going to be rushed out into the field in receiving situations that much, especially early on in the season, because I don't think he's going to be trusted amongst the coaches. He has a long way to go to be an adequate pass blocker as a running back. And that will make rookies not get playing time. I've harked about that time and time again. That will make rookies not get playing time. We've seen it over and over again. High-drafted rookies not getting playing time until very later on in the season or if there's some kind of injury because they cannot pass protect. That has never been more of a prime example than when we're talking about with Cam Akers when you look at him on film. Is he the most talented running back on that backfield? Yes. Yes. Although, I think Daryl Henderson's a lot better than people trying to give him credit for. I compared him to Devontae Freeman. I still believe in that. But that's why in this situation, with the Daryl Henderson thing being a little bit hairy to start the year, I think Malcolm Brown's a decent pick because he has a guy you know is going to be the goal line vulture. Now, we head back. We're getting to the late part of the draft. We got 14-15. Like I said, this is where I like to implement my strategy of I want to get a top defense, I want to get a top kicker, and then I'm going to take my top sleeper when we get back to the 16th round. Now, some of the defenses have been coming off the board already, and that's not uncommon. But once again, we get to have our Kansas City Chiefs, who from a fantasy perspective is our number two defense. Because they just get sacks and turnovers. They're always in position where they're playing from up two scores that they can just pin their ears back and go. I've talked about this before. They get to play one-dimensional football a lot. And their special teams is really good. So from a fantasy standpoint, I love the Kansas City Chiefs defense. And I think I said this last week too, but this, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs defense is a prime example of the difference between a good fantasy defense and a good NFL defense. But it will shock a lot of people. They finished in the top five the past couple of seasons in fantasy purposes. And I think that surprises a lot of people. Come back up. We got our number one kicker, Justin Tucker, available. Don't need to talk about that too much. We all know Justin Tucker, how good he is. We all know that he can't miss, that he's on a great situation with a great team where he kicks 50-yard field goals, get those extra bonus points, gets plenty of extra points. You're good there. So we have a, we have our number two defense. We have our number one kicker. So we got our elite guys there. Now we're back in the 16th round, and this is where I want to I go with my number one sleeper. And he he's moving up my board more and more as it looks like he is really going to get a true opportunity to start. Tyro Williams is hurt. And that number one sleeper there is Brian Edwards. It's looking legitimately like he's going to get the opportunity to be the starting perimeter wide receiver on the other side here. That's legit. Looks like what's going to happen. Yes, we got to see. Don't care. I love this team. I love this team. Tom, just to recap for you guys, if you're not watching on the video, Tom Brady, our quarterback. Then we have Alan Kamara, we have Todd Gurley, we have Amari Cooper, we have A.J. Green, we have Hayden Hurst, we have Le'Veon Bell, we have Kansas City Chiefs defense, we got Justin Tucker, and then on the bench, on the bench, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, James Crowder, Deshaun Jackson, Justin Jackson, Malcolm Brown, and Brian Edwards. What a great roster construction, and I'm not just saying that because I drafted these guys. This is a roster that has balance, that has high floors, and upside all throughout it. Solid everywhere. No holes. No weaknesses in this team. That wraps it up for our Full Point PPR episode, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. We will be back tomorrow on Friday, August 28th with our Best 5, Bus 5, Sleeper 5 tight ends. 
And then we'll be back next week. And I actually don't know what the topics are going to be next week. The one week right before draft season, we might have a heftier mailbag segment. Oh, and by the way, we will have a mailbag segment tomorrow. So make sure you hit us up on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. Or you can call us 609-362-2480. Leave your voicemail, leave your comment, your rant, your question, whatever the case may be. We'll get you on the show that way too. And I can't wait, dude. This, this, I mean, this, this is the season. We're here. Fantasy draft season is here. This is what we live for. This is what we prepare for. This show has been prepared this since February when we're doing rookie, rookie uh, scouting analysis and videos. We are always here for you at the MD's Fantasy Football Show. I am always here for you as Dan Mater. Everyone stay safe, stay healthy, and we're going to see you guys again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Belly Up Sports, MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.